Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the very courageous and genuine Simone Wessels-Bloom. Simone is a storyteller, mom of two, business owner, and new resident of Canada. In 2018, she and her family made the momentous decision to leave their home in South Africa to make a better life here. It turns out that this decision led to Simone's own beautiful personal awakening. I'm so happy to have her here today to share her story. Welcome, Simone. Thank you for having me. So take us back to this huge decision in your life where you decided to move your family from South Africa to Canada. It was an idea that we started toying with before we had children. We were wondering, you know, should we look at other parts of the world to maybe explore or go and live in? But it was always just a what if, a maybe, it's something we could do. And then in 2012, my daughter was born. And um, when you have a child, your perspective on the world changes completely. It's not only about you anymore. And um, that decision then was made for us. We needed to find somewhere where our children could grow up safely and happily and experience childhood as they are meant to experience childhood. And we wanted to live in a country where we are treated with respect and treated like um, we should be treated as all citizens of all countries should be treated. So we started looking around where we wanted to go. And my husband's eldest sister lives in the US. Um, she is a, uh, a citizen there. And um, we were going to do the sibling sponsorship process. And we started collating documents and um, filling them in and submitting them. And we found out, I think it was a year or so later, that it was going to take us 15 years to go to the US. Wow. Yes. And we decided we couldn't wait that long. So that's when I had a, a serendipitous conversation with my eldest brother who had just returned from a, a trip to Montreal. And he was telling us that you've never, <laughs> you've never experienced a first world country like Canada, where things just work. The traffic lights work. He was blown away that when he woke up in the morning, the sidewalks had been plowed and there was no snow there. Like there was, it just happened. People just did these things and they worked. And that sounded amazing to us. So we started investigating um, Canada and looking into the process and what we would need. And did we qualify? Did we have the, the skills and qualification that Canada needs and would accept us with? So this is all happening over a couple of years because it is a very big decision and it's a very long process. And during this time, I had my son who was born in 2016 and that's when we decided this is it. We've we've got to go. The future in South Africa was not what we wanted for our children. So for those who are unfamiliar with the situation in South Africa, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. And I'm going to try and do it uh, diplomatically. Um, South Africa has a, a violence and um, angry past. And although the country's come a very long way from um, apartheid before 1994, it's still got a very long way to go. There's still a lot of healing that has to happen. And it needs leadership. It needs leadership from good people. And currently the leadership that the country has, the government, is not filled with good people. There's a lot of corruption and the people who suffer the most in South Africa are the poorest. 
I think it's the same in any country. The people who who feel the effects of corruption, who feel the effects of crime, who feel the the negative effects of things that aren't working are always the people who are the poorest. It just got to the point where it, it was too difficult to carry on trying to build a life there. And when when we looked at Canada and there's um, universal health care and the education system is one of the best in the world. And I felt like this was a country and a government that our family could trust. I think that's a really good point that you made that there is that trust here. And I feel it for sure. We've been here for 13 years. We came from the U.S. So a similar-ish society, yes. not not exactly the same as what you experienced. But I can understand what a relief it must have been to arrive in a society like Canada, which is, is so very different. Absolutely. And every country has its problems, but it's degrees and it's on a a continuum. The problems in Canada are things that the country can deal with and the people can deal with. Canada runs the way a country should run. The government works for the people and the people play their part. And that's what we needed. Yeah. Yeah. What a a sense of comfort that must have been for you to come here and realize that you had that safety and that security. I mean, those basic needs, right, that you didn't have before. Absolutely. Yeah. Such a relief. So when you arrived in Canada, how was the adjustment for you? I mean, I know personally, it took a couple of years when we moved here to get that social circle, right? To get those friends, those connections, that support, especially when you have young kids that it takes for it to really feel like home. So how was, how was that for you when you first arrived and how has it been in the last couple of years? It was tough and it's still tough, but, um, let me start. Let me start at the beginning. So when we when we started our, our research into immigrating, we spoke to a lot of people who had done it. We joined a lot of groups online. We had lots of conversations with people and we knew it was going to be tough. I mean, it can't not be tough. But I think until you've done it, you don't realize which parts are going to be the toughest for you. So getting rid of all of our stuff, our possessions, it was difficult in the beginning, but towards the end, it was just a relief to let go of all of that stuff that we didn't need. When we arrived here, it was literally four big red suitcases, two kids, and I think two laptop bags. That was that was it. So the biggest adjustment wasn't leaving behind people and it wasn't leaving behind our stuff. It was finding things that make Canada feel like home. From the smallest things to the biggest things, finding a family doctor, finding a school. How do you do your driver's license? How do you study for your driver's? Where do you go and apply for a driver's license? Which is the best shop to buy bread? Um, what do you do if you your child is sick and your child can't go to school? So all of these things that you know from a lifetime of living them and experiencing them, you have to change and you have to relearn all of a sudden, but you've got to do it quickly. You've got to do it really quickly. There's no time to, you know, it's life and things are happening. You've got to figure out how they happen on their own. And um, this brings me to a a nice point where I can bring in um, the biggest lesson I learned from this journey. And it's kind of coincided with my 40th birthday, this whole change and moving to Canada and discovery and and the lessons learned and and the journey that I'm now on. And the thing that we had to do and the thing that was most difficult when we got here was to, to rebuild that community that we had before. So while we might not have had a massive group of friends before, we still had people we could turn to 
if we needed help. If I was sick and needed to go to the hospital, I could ask my brother who lived next door or we could call a friend and, um, you know, we dropping the kids off or whatever. There were there was support. We didn't have that when we got here and it is so isolating and it is so frightening to feel that you are all alone in the world, just the four of you, your little family. And it feels like you are, it's you against the world. It's tough. It's very traumatic. So realizing that we are only going to get out of that situation, only going to start feeling better if we start building that community, I realized it was something I would have to do. It's usually the role of the woman in a relationship and the role of a mother to form that community, to take on that that um, community building role. So it's what I did. And it's, it's not something that comes easily to me. I am an extrovert, but I'm very shy. So while I want to be with people and be around people and connect with them, it takes a lot of work from me to get there. But um, I made myself vulnerable. I joined as many groups as I could. I joined um, writing groups. I joined um, photography groups. Anything I could, I did. And um, took my family along with me where I could so that we could meet people together. And um, so that's been part of the the journey is building this community. And that's been the most difficult thing. But what it has led me to realize is that I can do it. And is that whatever I need to do to keep our family happy and safe and um, living the best life that they can live, I can do it. I love that. I think that's a beautiful lesson. And I can so relate to how you felt when you moved here and having to force yourself out of your comfort zone, because I think our personalities, it seems are quite similar, but it is so important. And I, I did feel the weight of that role to get out and to make connections and to, like you say, build that community because so much of our happiness depends on the people who support us. Right. And to be able to even, you know, secure a babysitter for a date night out or to have that person to call when you are stuck and need someone to watch the kids for a bit or whatever. Right. And and I found that at least when we moved here, the kids were so little that they were sort of my wingmen, so to speak. You know what I mean? So we would it made me feel like I could get out there and have that them as my little right. comfort, right? And and get out and make connections. Yeah. So the kids definitely helped. Having them um, in school was uh, what helped us make our first friends here. They're still friends of ours. They kind of broke the ice. And that helped a lot. Yeah. So when you were in South Africa, I know some of those very basic needs that we as humans have, right? The safety, the security, they weren't exactly met for you and your family. So when you moved here and you gradually became more comfortable and built that community and all of a sudden had this freedom to really think about you and your life and where you were going and who you were. Like, how was that for you? What, what happened as a result of that shift? It's actually, it's, it's, it's great that you asked that. I think it was completely overwhelming and it was a big catalyst for changing me. So you're absolutely right. I don't always refer to to Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but I think in this in this situation, it, it absolutely it, it makes sense too. So you spoke about those, those having those basic needs met and our safety and security and um, you know our, our physical needs and all of that. We got here, we realized those needs have been met. We can now 
explore other parts that we haven't been able to explore and enjoy before. So every day I wake up and something happens during the day. It could be the smallest thing where um, I see a school bus and I think, hmm, that's really cool that the government provides transport to kids that can't afford their own transport. That's really cool. I'm so glad we get to live in this country. It's such a privilege. And having that, that, um, that gratefulness and that appreciation, it helps me on the days where things are a little bit more difficult, where I do miss my friends, where I do miss the familiarity of um, Marmat or something that I can't easily get here. <laughs> oh, is that that uh, it's, so Marmat, yes, Marmat's... <laughs> Marmite is sort of South Africa and England's answer to Australia's Vegemite. Oh, and it's yes. very controversial. You either <laughs> like Marmite and Vegemite or you cannot stand it. My brother, my brother and my husband, they cannot stand this stuff. My husband calls it black goop. <laughs> but for me, it is the ultimate comfort food, Marmite on toast. So it's just a small thing and I can live without it. But on the days that I'm missing home, it's a really good reminder. Yeah, so all of these privileges and the and they are privileges. They they're privileges to me. They're not rights to everybody in every country. And I want to remember that how lucky we are that we get to live like this. I think that's beautiful. So this new feeling of freedom and obviously this beautiful mindset that you have with all the, this gratitude for living in Canada, how has that led you to explore yourself personally? and yourself as a woman and professionally like how like what changed for you and and what opened up for you in the past i've always worked with um funnily enough i've, I've always had woman bosses fortunately the majority of the, those women have always been or were very supportive and wanted to see me grow and mentored me to help make me a, make me better at what i did unfortunately i worked for a couple of women as well who were intimidated either by my knowledge or experience or skills and I learned a lot about myself from them and then it got to the point when we were here where I'd been working some doing some short contracts and my contract had come to an end and I needed to decide was I going to apply for another job or was I actually going to just take the step that I've been wanting to do for so many years and start my own business and um, I thought stuff it I'm I'm doing it I'm going to do this for myself I'm tired of working the way other people want me to work, doing things that they believe is right, that I don't believe is right, and working for people that I don't necessarily want in my life. And I think at this point, I now can make that decision in my business about who I want to work with, the kind of work that I want to do, and um, how I want to grow. I can definitely choose projects that are going to grow me and make me happy to uh, happy to work on them and moving here and having the freedom and the support to do that it's not something I, I, I might have been able to do as easily in South Africa so how did your professional development then impact your personal development and the awakening that you feel like I know you said you had at sort of age 40 it's all been part of the journey and the realization that I'm a lot braver than I ever thought that I was. And I've got that evidence now, moving to Canada and setting up our lives and starting a company. I have that evidence now that I've got the courage to do anything that I need to do. Um, hopefully, because <laughs> those are kind of big things. So in the 
the times that I'm doubtful or when I think I can't make that phone call to that service provider and tell them I no longer need their service, I can because I've done much scarier things. So that has helped me to take the steps that I need to take to build my business. I need to remind myself that when the weeks are quiet, it's not always going to be like that. And then I need to be brave and have faith and be courageous that if I do what I know that I need to do, I can take it forward and it is going to work. There are always those moments of doubt. And I often think to myself, I'm definitely not brave enough to do this today. And I don't have the courage to run my own business. And I think everybody has those, but I know that I can because I have the evidence that I've done it before. Yeah. And so when you think about your roles as business owner, as mom, as wife, where does that leave Simone? How have you come into yourself as the Simone who sits across from me today? And how have you, how do you define yourself now? As woman, I can speak as woman. We are given roles or we are assigned roles throughout our lives that we have to play. But all of those roles, they are parts of me. They're not me. They don't define me. And while all of these roles have been assigned and and I've taken them on willingly, mostly, I think when it got to the point where I had that safe space to, to be and to explore and no longer focused on those um, survival needs and kind of having those basic needs met, I just kind of thought to myself, fuck this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I am tired of being assigned roles. What about me? What about my role and what about my needs? Absolutely, I'll be your mother and your wife and I'll work and all of those things. But that's just a small part of me. I need to know the rest of me. I want to know what my needs are and to have those needs fulfilled. And I think that is a really scary decision to make that you are going to do something for yourself, that you are going to acknowledge the importance of yourself as a self and not attached to another person. So I've, I've been able to do that. And it's been incredibly scary and it's been freeing and it's been confusing. And there have been, it's been like a domino set being knocked over. There've definitely been, there's been fallout from this, but at the end of it, I feel so much stronger. I feel like I'm being my authentic self. I'm not confined by those roles anymore. Those roles, they're gone. They're just a small part of me. I'll do them, but there's a big part of me that I need to, I need to express and I need to let that person be seen now. I love that you say that because there is I mean, of course, we get fulfillment from those roles, but then there is a whole other part of us as people, as women, that we need to explore. And I didn't even realize this until, I mean, in my circumstance, sort of the thing that was in my way, like for you, obviously, it was these, as you say, survival needs. And when you came here, you had that that freedom to to explore yourself. But for me, it was those early stages of motherhood when it's so intense. Yeah. And you don't even think about anything. That's in in a way that (laughs) survival as well, isn't it? Um, So for me, you know, and and there's something about that age of around 40 years old that then allowed me to explore myself just like you did. And, And what's next? And who am I? And what's this? You know, what do I want my life to look like? You know, as we look at the kids getting older and 
So it's this, it's this amazing awakening. And so awesome that you have gone on this journey. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's tough and it has been tough and it will continue to be tough, but it's rewarding because I'm discovering things that I have suppressed for so long, things that, you know, later, or you don't do that now, or it's not right to do that, or mothers don't act like that, or professional women don't act like that. And now I just, I don't give a shit. This is who I am. And I'm going to do what I do to find out who I am. I love it. So you've had this courage to be on this journey, to come into yourself as a woman. Why do you feel that it's so important to share this with our listeners? I can think of a million things we do during the day where we have to dig deep into our courage for whatever reason that we're feeling vulnerable. And I want women to know that you can do it. And I say it with surprise because I was most surprised that I could do it. And I'm continually most surprised by when I do something scary and I come out the other side, I'm not a a puddle of goo. I'm somebody who came through something difficult and I am stronger than that. And I need women to know that. And I need them to know something that I heard the other day and I want to share that you have always been brave. You just were too scared to see it. And I want people to know that that bravery is there. Nobody gets this far in life without being brave. That is beautiful. I think that's a really important reminder for women to step outside that comfort zone and challenge ourselves to be our most authentic selves. And each time we do that, we build that confidence that we need to take the next step to figure out this woman, who we are, who we're becoming. Absolutely. It's important that we give ourselves that space and that time, whenever it might be, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, whether you're married or not. But when that time comes and you will know, listen, well, listen when the time comes and you've, you've got to start questioning who you are, what you're doing don't be scared. It's, it is very frightening, but you are brave enough to do it. Absolutely. What's needed to be brave um, or to release that bravery is self-compassion. And while they may not intuitively seem to go together, if we think about it for a minute, if you are kind to your, yourself and show yourself the care that you need, you create the space that is needed for you to find what you are looking for. But self-compassion is such an important aspect of it. And I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with. A lot of us are taught that self-compassion is, um, it's vain. It's, um, you should be showing kindness to other people. It is self-indulgence. I think that's a big thing. People often equate self-compassion with self-indulgence. And it's very destructive to tell people that because we can't show compassion to others unless we show compassion to ourselves, unless we know how to show compassion to ourselves and do things for ourselves that are kind and allow us space to grow. So for me to tie this life lesson together, what I believe we need is that space to allow ourselves to be brave and to show the courage that we have in us. And in order to do that, we need to have the self-compassion 
to allow ourselves that discovery and to support us because we won't always have the support of others. So that compassion and support has to come from somewhere and it can come from us. That is beautifully tied up with a nice little bow. (laughs) I love it. So what is next for you? What excites you about the future? There are a few exciting projects I'm working on in terms of my business with some amazing women who are, they've got ideas to change the world and they are changing the world in their big and small ways. So I'm, I'm working on some, some projects there. In my personal life, this is what excites me, this kind of thing, meeting new people, talking to people, um, connecting with them, finding out what similarities we share, the way we think is different, or the, the things that we think that are similar. It's so exciting to meet new people. And the pandemic has made it a little bit more difficult, but I think it's also opened up opportunities for us. So we don't have to make excuses about, I don't feel like going out today anymore. Just, you know, put on some lipstick and we can connect on Zoom. So there are barriers, but it's also opened things up for us. Great. So are you ready to move on to the final five? Yes, I am. So these are the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the first is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I thought about this and my superpower would be an empathy conduit. I'll explain that to you now. <laughs> Do you, did you ever see the movie Powder? No. Um, it was about, about a boy with albinism who's, I think it was his grandparents who were looking after him and they kept him locked up in, well, not locked up in a basement away from the world, but they did it from kindness, not because they treated him badly. Anyway, he had all sorts of superpowers and he was um, telepathic, but what he could do, he, he could make people experience what other people were experiencing. They could feel what other people were, exp- were feeling. And I would love to have that superpower to help people tap into their empathy, because I think sometimes it's really scary to do that. But I think that is the thing that connects the world and connects us is our empathy. And if we can all tap into that, it's... It's, it's a basic thing that would change how we relate to the world and the world relates to us. I agree. When you were a kid, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? A teacher. And uh-huh. I was for a little while. <laughs> awesome. If it were your last day on earth, what would your final meal be? Absolutely. 100% a whole chocolate cake. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Marmite. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> I have made a Marmite cake before. Really? <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want to taste that. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> it's it's very, um, like, it, it, it takes a lot of bravery to try a Marmite cake. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would opt for the chocolate instead. I, your first choice sounds good, choice, good to yeah. me. <laughs> um, who is a woman in history or present day you admire? I'm so excited to tell you this answer. At the moment, it's Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Yes. The New York um, US representative. She's so young and she is so incredibly brave. That woman stands up to men who are far more powerful and have been around three times as long as she's been around. She stands up to them and she tells them exactly what she believes and exactly what she thinks. And for somebody like her 
who doesn't have as much power as the people she's standing up against. Um, it takes a lot of bravery because she is standing up for people who don't have that power. And I have so much respect for her. She's also incredibly beautiful and I might have a little crush on her. I totally get it. She's she's incredible and what a great role model to have women in power like that for not only we as adults to see it, but for our kids to see it and to see what's possible. I just love that. I do too. I think it's so important that little girls have, and big girls have role models in, in every industry, in every part of the world. They need somebody to look up to and and to show them that anything is possible. Absolutely. Well said. What is your favorite quote? It's very simple and short. It's a quote by Rumi, and it is, Stop acting so small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. I love that. Thank you. I love it too. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're so welcome. And thank you for having me. I've enjoyed talking to you. 